Good morning. Happy Sunday. We have got quite a few announcements that I want to kind of get through. It seems like uh, it seems like we should be getting some of these announcements done, but we just keep adding more and more announcements. So I really need you guys to pay attention to this, and I'll wait for you guys to quit talking, John Croce. <laughs> you can't hear me? Can you hear me now? Better? Okay. What's that? Don? John, oh, John can't hear me. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. All right. Uh, Wednesday nights, they are starting back this Wednesday night from 6.30 to 7.30. We have classes for all ages. So we are going to have a group for kids. Yeah, can we clap for that? If you got kids, if you got teens, if you are, you are an adult, we have classes for all of you, so make sure you stop out 6.30 to 7.30. Mark your calendars, all right? June 27th is Friend Day. June 27th is Friend Day. So I want you to start thinking and praying about who you are going to invite out to Friend Day. And hopefully we can give you some flyers and, and uh, give you something to actually give to somebody to invite them. We are also going to start our Revelation series that day, so you want to make sure you're here for that. Next week, I'm gone. Adobe and I are gone. Brian's gone. Uh, a lot of people are gone. But Mike Norris will be here. Uh, if you guys were here with Mike, yeah, you know Mike. Mike Norris, great guy. Ask him about his bro brother Chuck. He loves to tell stories about that. <laughs> so, but Mike will be here, and he will be preaching. You don't want to miss that time. We're going to be tuning in online and watching it, I'm sure. Um, so make sure you come out and support him. Church board members, church board members, I need five minutes after the service today to meet real quick to talk about some spending. All right, so five minutes right after the, the service, we're going to talk about uh, some teen stuff and some other stuff. Uh, if you'd give me that time. All right. Um, last but not least, can I just say thank you to everyone that has been helping out. You guys have been killing it, whether or not it's been helping out at the pavilion or helping out at the church or helping out with the, few, the celebration of life service yesterday or the teens uh, event last night. Ah, man, you guys have just been killing it. So I just want to say a very special very sincere thank you to everybody that has been doing that. I want to say a very sincere thank you to everyone that has been praying. We've been having some very serious prayer requests come through the emails and come through that. Please read those, pray for those. Don't, and don't just, don't just open it up and pray for it. I mean, pray for it right then and there. That's great. But continue to pray for those things um, because these are our brothers and sisters. These are, these are people that we care about. And I know if I'm going through something, I want people to be praying for me. I, I want my church family to be praying for me. And I know a lot of you guys do that. So please keep that up and thank you for doing that. Now, speaking of killing it, all right, we did the talents thing not too long ago, right? We handed out an envelope and it either had $10, $20, or $50 in it. And we asked you to multiply it, just like in the parable of the talents. That, that talent was entrusted to somebody. All right, so we started off with about $1,400 that we handed out. We had $2,000 that we set aside, but we didn't give all the envelopes out, so it ended up being about $1,400. 
we got back of that $1,400 probably 900 and some, maybe $1,000, because maybe people didn't write down their envelope correctly or anything like that. That means about 400 went to people, and they, they kept it. And we told them, hey, if you need the money, keep it, right? This is, our, this, is, this is God's gift to you. You are more than welcome to keep it if you're struggling during this time. So, but $1,000 of that was put to use. And from that $1,000, we raised five thousand five hundred dollars five thousand five hundred dollars abigail ministry is going to be blessed right uh we're going to build a blessing box we've got money for the the hope center we've got money for starting point we've got money for house of hope we've got uh, a ton of money came in for the van Right, and I think we're actually at a place where we can purchase the van and we're going to be able to pick kids up starting very soon. So, praise God, right? The money's good, but I hope what we learn is that God entrusts us with talents, whether it be our time, whether it be money. You're, God entrusts you with money. And he calls us to use that to build the kingdom of God. And that's what we want to do. That's what we're doing right here. All this stuff, it's not coming back to the church. It's going to go for ministry, right? I hope you learn that during this process. Just, I hope you learn that, man, God has given you a talent to use for the kingdom. God gives you spiritual gifts to use for the kingdom, each and every one of you. If you are a born-again believer, if you have been saved, if you are in a relationship with Jesus Christ, he gives you a gift at least one, to build the kingdom. And I hope you realize that through this process. That was the whole point of it. It wasn't about raising the money. That's great, you know. But I want everybody in here to realize that you are entrusted. When you get your paycheck for work, you are entrusted with that money. When you are good at something, you are entrusted with that talent to use it for the kingdom of God. Right, and that needs to be our focus, and that needs to be our priority. But thank you for everybody for participating with that. All right, all right. Um, Daniel needs a ride home today, and I'm hoping that somebody can step up for that. And since Brian's going to be gone next week, and we're going to be gone next week, um, he needs a ride here to church. Right, you're coming to see Mike. Oh, well, never mind. All right. So we just need a ride home today. If there's anybody that can do that, would you please see Daniel and do that? All right. Would you stand with me? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in this church body, through this church body. Father, we pray that we would be a blessing to this community and to the ends of the earth. Lord, call us to that. Lord, you have equipped us. You have blessed us. Lord, help us to be faithful stewards with what you have entrusted us with. Lord, we pray for this service. We pray that you would have right of way, that you would direct our paths. I pray that you would speak through the praise team directly to our hearts. Lord, I pray that you would speak through your word directly to our hearts. Help them to be soft. Father, we pray for the young kids that will be hearing a separate lesson. We pray that their hearts would be soft as well and that you would enable their teachers to speak in a way that they understand it. Lord, we come to give you praise. We come to give you honor. 
Lord, we're not worthy of the grace you've given us. Father, help us to be good stewards of that to people that need to hear that message. Lord, give us those opportunities. Father, we love you and we give you all praise. In your name we pray. Amen. you are 
make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turned his face toward you and give you peace. All right, today we're going to be in Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, I am excited to preach this passage. And I'm wondering if we are all on the same page. When it comes to the Word of God, is this the Word of God to you? Yes, I heard somebody say yes. Yes, it is. And I pray that it speaks to us today. I pray that the Lord uses it to speak directly to our hearts and challenge us, right? All right, Luke chapter 5, a little context. In this passage, um, this is early on in Jesus' ministry. It's just beginning at this point. He hasn't really called his disciples. But he has a reputation amongst the people as a a powerful teacher, a powerful preacher. People are amazed at the authority that he teaches with at this point. He's healing people, and the the crowds are starting to learn about who this person is. So Luke chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, The people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. So here is Jesus preaching at the Sea of Galilee, which is also the same as the lake of Gennesaret. You have these fishermen who have been fishing all night, right? They were fishing all night. They're cleaning their their nets. They're getting ready to put everything away for the day. They're ready to go home and crash. And Jesus sees a couple of boats left on shore. Verse 3, he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon. Now this may seem a little bit weird. Jesus just gets into a boat without asking Simon about that. Simon we also know as Peter, right? At this time, Simon and Jesus, though, know each other. They're friends. Uh, Jesus has already healed Simon's mother-in-law. I'm not sure if that brought them closer together or not, but they know each other. (laughs) And Jesus sees this as Simon's boat, right? He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water, And let down the nets for a catch. Have you ever been in a position where you know your job and somebody that you're not so sure knows your job comes up to you and tells you something that you should do that really doesn't make sense? Yeah, I don't know how you handle that. I know how I handle that. Um, But that's probably what appears to be happening here. I don't know if Peter felt this way, but there must have been part of him that said, uh, hey, Jesus, I'll, I'll tell you what. You know, you stick to what you're good at, and I'll stick to what I'm good at. You're good at preaching. I'm good at fishing. I don't know if he was thinking that, but I imagine there was something inside of him that probably said that. But Jesus asked Peter to go out into the deep. Side note for everyone, if you know Jesus, he always will ask you to go out into the deep. 
he always calls us to the deep. And he wants Simon to let down his nets. He always calls us to the deep and asks us to trust him. Verse 5, Simon answered, Master, we've, heard, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. I wonder if he paused right there when he said that. I wonder if he's hoping Jesus will say, oh, well, in that case, yeah, you guys worked all, all day. I know you've probably had it hard. You've got to be tired. You've got to be frustrated, right? Just forget I asked. But Jesus doesn't say anything. So Peter finishes, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Can we just imagine how much excitement and joy those fishermen are probably experiencing? How much amazement that they are, that they are looking at? They fished all night, right? They fished all night. They hadn't caught anything. And now they have the fishing story of a lifetime, Right? I mean, they're celebrating. I'm sure they're high-fiving. This is huge for them. For these guys, this is their livelihood. Could you imagine being a salesman or something and having no sales? Could you imagine being a fisherman and catching no fish? Right? It's like working for hours and hours and hours with nothing to show. They're at a point of discouragement as the night ends, looking at failure. But then Jesus calls them to the deep calls them to trust him and suddenly there's a reason to celebrate after a long night my friends an undeserved gift comes in the morning you might say grace comes in the morning that's the title of this sermon i've been not too long ago through a season of dark nights if you will and if that's you today let me tell you grace comes in the morning. Sometimes it's at your lowest point. Sometimes it's at a point where you've failed all night and you're getting ready to put away your nets and call it quits. Sometimes Jesus calls you to go to the deep. And in those moments, and you think that the, that's the last thing that you should do, can I encourage you? Do it. Go to the deep. Put down the nets. Trust him because grace comes in the morning. Don't miss this too. Unless they had gone through a night of disappointment, this wouldn't have been as special, right? If Jesus started off the evening with them, went out with them, and they caught this magnificent catch, it might have been tempting for them to say, look at what we did, right? We are that good. We're good fishermen. But because they went through the disappointment, they appreciated it differently. Because they attempted everything that they could throughout the night and it hadn't worked out for them, this was different. The difference was Jesus. They trust him and they see the difference that Jesus makes. 
As we look at Peter's life, I think that one of the things that we see, not just here, but just his life on a larger scale, is this very simple message that with Jesus, this time doesn't have to be like the last time. This time of trying something doesn't have to be like the last time we tried it. And frankly, that's a message I think that a lot of us need to hear because we've tried some things, haven't we? We've tried some things time and time and again, and it hasn't worked. I'm thinking about prayer. I'm thinking about times that I prayed and prayed and prayed, and it hasn't worked. You probably pray, depending on what you think about prayer and believe about prayer, that determines how much you pray. And sometimes we kind of give up on that. Can I encourage you to keep praying? Keep seeking Him. You've thrown your nets out and you've got nothing. Sometimes I think there comes a place where we don't even want to bother to throw our nets out. Sometimes we can just get discouraged because in my mind, I'm just going to get the same results. So why bother? If I failed last time, I'm going to fail this time. But this time could be different. Especially if it's with Jesus, right? If... Peter was here and he was talking to us about this year. I think some of the, one of the things he would say is this, that with Jesus this time, it doesn't have to be like the last time. That's the difference, right? That's the difference. It's still Peter. It's still the same boats. It's the same nets, right? It's a worse time of day if you're a fisherman. It's a worse place to fish. And yet, here is this miraculous catch. And I think the difference comes from four very important words in this passage. And if you have one of these natural Bibles or normal Bibles and you're not on your phones or anything like that, can I encourage you to highlight or underline these four words? He says to Jesus, because you say so. Because you say so. Jesus says, go out to deep. Cast your nets. Peter says, hey, we've been working all night. In other words, I don't think that's such a good idea, Jesus. In fact, that makes no sense. If you ask me, I don't think that's going to work. I mean, if I were in charge, that's not what I would do. But because you say so, I'll do it. It's not what I feel like doing, right? It's not what I want to do. It's not the right thing in my mind of what we should do, but because you say so, I'll do it. God calls to each and every one of us and asks us to regularly do things like this. Regularly to go out into the deep and throw the net down, and it doesn't seem like it's something that makes sense. Some of us hear it, Some of us don't, right? Some of us are too busy, too preoccupied with this life. We don't even hear that message. Some of us hear it, and it just doesn't make sense, so we ignore it, right? But some of us hear it, we recognize our Lord's voice. And even though it doesn't make sense, even though it doesn't seem like something we should do, we say, but because you say so, I'll do it. Let's make 2021 a year of because you say so. 
whatever he asks us to do as a church body, church board, but because you say so, we'll do it, no matter what things look like. There's no better path to be on, my friends. There is none, right? So, there's a celebration that goes on here, and more than a celebration, there's a realization, right? We see it in verse 8. So when Simon Peter saw this, when he saw how many fish were in these boats, it says, he fell at Jesus' knees and he said, go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. When you say, because you say so, I'll do it, and you follow through with that, this is the point that we often experience the power of God. And when you experience the power of God, it humbles you. You realize whose presence you are in. And when you compare yourself to the King of kings and to the Lord of lords, the only thing you can say is, get away from me, I am a sinful man. This is huge, though, because I think this is what unlocks a new future for Peter. Because after this is when Jesus invites Simon, Peter, to be his disciple. Some of you are desperate for a new future. But what will you say when he says, put out into the deep and let down your nets? What will be your response? Will you make an excuse? Will you tell him you're too tired? Will you say, that just doesn't make sense? I don't know if I can trust you. What if you tried it, though? What if you tried it? What if you said, because you say so, I'll do it? Listen to me, friends, family. You have to quit doing life the way that you see it. You have to quit doing life the way that you want it, the way that you think it should be done, and align yourself to the Word of God and to what the Holy Spirit calls us to do, to what the God of the universe asks us to do. Verse 8, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish, fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled up their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Repentance and surrender is where Christianity begins it's where the real blessings come from. Not money, not this false sense of Christianity that tells you if you follow God, you're going to be blessed financially and with health and, and everything like that. No. They left all that fish cash behind, right? All that money from that boat. It says they left it all and followed him. Followed Jesus and there wasn't much money in that but they got to experience God's purpose for their life. That's where the real blessing comes. This is where some of you might be at. You've got a little Jesus, but you're still chasing the world. You're still thinking the world will satisfy you. The world is the most important thing. 
But my friends, Jesus is calling and saying, follow me. Give up on doing life your way and follow his way. Maybe some of you are hearing the call for the first time, follow me. Maybe some of you have heard it before, but you've decided to do it your own way and keep doing it your own way. Maybe you have some regrets. Maybe some of you used to follow Christ, but you've gone away from that. You've stopped. I want to flash forward towards the end of Jesus' ministry to the end of his time here on earth. And we're going to move to Mark 14, verse 27. Mark 14, verse 27. This is after the Last Supper and Jesus is on the way to the Garden of Gethsemane where he will be arrested. Mark 14, verse 27. On the way, Jesus told them, all of you will desert me. Now, could you imagine Jesus telling you that? Hey, every one of you are going to desert me. Every one of you, my closest companions, my closest friends, my closest family for the last three years, all of you are going to desert me. For the Scriptures say, God will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. Peter said to him, even if everyone else deserts you, I never will. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter. This very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times that you even know me. No, Peter declared emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the others vowed the same. Jesus, we're ride or die people, right? That's what they were saying. We won't desert you. So they head to the garden. You know the story. The arrest party comes. A group of men, soldiers, religious leaders, and of course Judas who betrayed him. Verse 46, And they laid hands on him, him being Jesus, and seized him. But one of those who stood by drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. We know from John's Gospel account, John 18.10, that this man was Peter. In Matthew's account, Jesus says to Peter, put your sword back, and tells him that if he wanted to, he could call 12 legions of angels, right? And then Jesus adds, adds, but how then would Scripture be fulfilled? So Jesus is taken to the first of six trials that will happen throughout the night. Six trials done in secret. John 18.15, if you'd turn with me there. John 18.15, Simon Peter followed Jesus and so did another disciple. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he entered with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood outside at the door. So the other disciple who was known to the high priest went out and spoke to the servant girl who kept watch at the door and brought Peter in. The servant girl at the door said to Peter, you also are not one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. First denial. Skip down to verse 18. Now the servants and officers had made a charcoal fire. Would you remember that? 
because it was cold and they were standing and warming themselves. Peter also was with them standing and warming himself. Jump down to verse 25. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself, so they said to him, You also are not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. Strike two. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter again denied it, and at once a rooster crowed. I'm pretty sure you cut off my cousin's ear just a little bit ago. I I think I remember you, right? Kind of harder to forget that. No, it wasn't me. Three times and the rooster crows. In Mark's account, which if you're not familiar with the gospel, Mark's account is really from Peter. Probably should be called Peter's gospel. That's where the source is. Mark was not one of the, the 12 that followed Jesus around. He was a Palestinian Jew. And he traveled with Peter and he wrote down what, what Peter taught and said. And that's where we get this gospel from. But this gives us more details in regard to the denials. Because they're straight from Peter. First, he says, I don't know him. Second, he swears oaths. Listen. Listen, I swear on heaven and the temple, I don't know this guy. That was a second denial. The third time, he actually calls down curses on himself. Listen, if I'm lying, then let me be cursed. Now here's what's so heartbreaking about this. As I said, Jesus was traveling around to six different trials during this time. He would go to one and then be led to the next. While he's being transported, we get another account in Luke 22, verse 60. Luke 22, verse 60. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Just as Peter is calling down curses on himself and denying that he even knows him, here comes Jesus walking by and they make eye contact. Peter realizes what he's done And it says he weeps, weeps bitterly. Jesus would later be crucified, right? Think about this. Not only did Peter betray him, but he never got the chance to make it right before Jesus was killed. Right? He didn't get that chance before. Can you imagine what Peter is dealing with for those few days? Mountains of regret. The betrayal, the failure. Even if he could talk to Jesus, what would he say to him? How could he face him? There's no way that Jesus would take him back, right? He's failed as a follower. He's done. He'll never be a disciple again. Jesus would never let him continue, right? In fact, Jesus, in fact, Peter goes back to his old line of work. Fishing. Jesus called him away from this life. 
and said, I'll make you a fisher of men. But Peter goes back to his old job. He goes back to his old life. Some of us do that at times, don't we? Things don't work out. Forget it. I'll just go back to my old life. I'll just go back to doing what I was doing. Fortunately, though, grace comes in the morning. John 21, 4. If you turn there, John 21, 4. At dawn, they had been fishing again all night. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, Fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, Throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat and you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Sound familiar? Jesus is recreating the scene where he called them, right? Then the disciple Jesus loved, who was John, said to Peter, It's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had stripped for work, jumped into the water, and headed to shore. Verse 9. When they got there, they found breakfast was waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. They eat, and then we come to verse 15. Verse 15, after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. We all know what Jesus is doing here. You've probably heard it preached a million times. Jesus is giving Peter a chance to make up for those three denials, right? And each time, Jesus calls him back to the life that he called him to. Take care of my sheep. Feed my sheep. Be who I called you to be, right? I love this restoration. There's no condemnation here, right? There's no condemnation here. There's no, I told you so. There's no, you really screwed this up, Peter. Right? I told you you were going to do this. I warned you you were going to do this. And you still did it. Right? There's no even, you really hurt me. Right? There's no condemnation. There's just restoration. Praise God indeed. There's no, you don't have to make this right. Just come back to what I called you to. If there was anyone that felt that like their life was over, it's Peter. It has to be Peter before this, right? He had to feel that there was no way coming back from this, from what he did. And maybe in some ways that might be where you're at. 
What you have to know is that our God is a God of reconciliation. My friends, he calls us to the ministry of reconciliation. That's what he calls us to do and be a part of. What, a, what an amazing responsibility, right? My friends, grace comes in the morning. That's what Jesus does here. Here's the thing, though. I think most of us know that Jesus can forgive us, has forgiven us. I think most of us have experienced God's grace and forgiveness. But I don't know about you, but sometimes I still struggle with regret and shame for the things that I've done. Do you notice where Jesus does this? You probably didn't, but Jesus has this conversation by a charcoal fire. Church tradition tells us that every time Peter heard the rooster crow, he wept because he remembered his denials. Our senses are connected to our memories. We know that, right? They bring us back to our past. Do you know what is the strongest sense, though, that's connected to memory? Smell. Smell. Don't miss this. Jesus was very intentional. Where did Peter deny Jesus? The Bible tells us it was near a charcoal fire. Right? Where does Jesus restore Peter? It's near a charcoal fire. John 21, verse 9, when they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire. Jesus asked Peter three times, do you love me by that charcoal fire? And three times by a charcoal fire, he says yes. Each time, Jesus calls him back to that life, to his life that he originally called him for. Peter would spend many times in the future at a charcoal fire, and I know that Jesus didn't want Peter every time he smelled that to be reminded of his failure, but he wanted to be reminded of that restoration. He wanted to be reminded of that grace that comes in the morning. Amen? Where are you? Can you be reminded that grace comes in the morning? that shame has no place, that there is a God who is, that loves you and is calling you to a new life, calling you to serve him, calling you to be part of building his kingdom, to feed and care for his sheep. I want to invite you to be a part of that with this body, with this church. Would you stand with me? Church is not just about coming and hearing a sermon, right? It's about using your gifts and talents to carry on the work that Jesus started. It's about being a part of that ministry of reconciliation. It's about calling people, introducing people to Jesus Christ. It's about a new life, right? It's about dying to the old way of doing things and experiencing that new life. Are you there? Are you there? 
Or are you stuck in the past? Are you stuck in guilt and shame? Where are you? Would you just think about that over this next week? Where are you? Is the God of the universe calling you to something? Have you ignored that call? Is he calling you to the deep? Is he calling you to witness to somebody? And you're like, man, I'm the last person that should do that. That just doesn't seem right. Is he calling you to to make some kind of change in your life that doesn't seem like something that you want to do? Will you remember those four words, but because you say so? Will you make them your mantra this year in 21? Can you do me a favor? I often preach and I wonder, is anybody getting anything about this? I'd love to talk to you if God is speaking to you about anything. Is God calling you right now and saying, follow me? Maybe you have not given your life to Christ. Is God calling you to that? Is God calling you, maybe you've accepted Christ, but maybe he's calling you to the deep. He's calling you to die to yourself and to live fully for him. Would you reach out to me? Would you talk to me and let me know that so that I can help you? with that so that I can pray for you with that. Let's be the body of Christ, right? Would you take on that extreme privilege of being part of the ministry of reconciliation and help people find their Savior and Lord? Would you pray for that opportunity every day when you get up? Lord, give me an opportunity to share your love with somebody Give me the words to say. Guide my conversations with these people and be open to that. Would you listen for his small voice when he calls you to whatever it is? Would you quit beating yourself up? Seriously? Would you tell the devil when he tempts to mound shame on you that it has no place here? And would you listen to the Lord when he tells you he loves you and he has a purpose for your life? Follow his leading, whatever he's calling you to do. And let me know about it so that I can pray for you. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today. Lord, I pray that every time the enemy comes and and would want to cause division, cause problems. Lord, make us feel like we are unworthy or unloved. Father, Father, would you remind us of the charcoal fire? Would you remind us how you restored Peter and you'll do the same for us? Father, would you call us to the deep? Would you call us to put our faith in you and let down the nets And Lord, when it doesn't seem logical, when it doesn't seem right, when it doesn't seem like something we want to do, when we don't want to do it, Lord, would you say, would you let us say, but because you said so.
Father, would you help us to be in your word? Would you, would you make it alive to us so that we would be able to hear your voice and recognize your voice? Lord, use this church. Use this body. Let us as a church body say, because you say so, no matter what that is. Father, when you call us to stand for truth, Lord, when others aren't, would you give us that boldness? Lord, would you help us to be all about grace, though, as well, and loving people? Lord, I pray if there's somebody in here that doesn't know you, I pray that they would just speak to you and ask you to come into their hearts. Lord, I pray that they would surrender their lives and say, Lord, use me. I will follow you when you call them to follow. And Father, would you help them to confess that and tell somebody about that so that we can walk with them? Lord, we love you and we give you all praise. In your name we pray. Amen. You are dismissed. Don't forget church board, I need five minutes, five quick minutes in the teen room.